Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Rugby Player Podcast. I'm your host Harry Benno. This episode was pretty epic. Um, Took a while to get this guy on the podcast just because of his hectic schedule um, with everything that's going on but amazing to finally reach out and and connect with Perry Baker of USA Men's Sevens program. Um, Obviously his resume speaks for itself and Pretty decorated career so far, plenty more to go, but it was awesome just to touch on the, uh, you know, probably the personal side of Perry and things that he's been doing away from um, the pitch uh, over the last couple of years and particularly what he's doing in terms of giving back to the rugby community in the US. So awesome to catch up with Perry, um, absolute legend of a man, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Have I got him? Hey. Hey, mate. How's it going? I'm pretty good, man. How are you? Not too bad. That was a pretty good accent there. You've been working. <laughs> <laughs> too good. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> mate, what are you up to this morning? Nothing, man. I uh, Yesterday was my workout day. Uh, today, I'm going to try and do a little bit of speed and agility and pretty much wrap it up and Plan on taking the family to the beach for a little bit and hang out. Oh, nice. Um, speaking yeah. to you a couple of weeks ago, you were having a bit of issues um, trying to find somewhere to work out, but you got that sorted? Yeah, man. It was just the issue was, man, I just didn't want to keep driving so far away yeah. to go back to work out. And uh, it was just – and I ended up going back there just because everything was so convenient with the time. Like, I just – by the time, like, where I was going to go to, it was just that it starts so late to work out. And by the time that was started and where I go now, it's like my day was basically over with training already. So I just rather like get up in the morning early enough and go and knock it out instead of having it midday throughout the day to go and work out. And then your day is kind of over. So, but yeah, it all worked out though, man. I really appreciate the help though. You reaching out and trying to find some place for me to go and everything, but yeah, I ended up getting it out. We're getting it going for right now. Good stuff. Um, have you, been training with anyone in particular or just doing your own stuff um i've been doing my own stuff i supposed to here in, in a week or so supposed to get one of my teammates a few a few of the teammates my teammates have uh gym set up at their house yeah like little uh um bench and squat racks and everything so one of them uh steve thomason uh reached out to me and said uh, we're gonna have to get a workout in together because i'm always sending him like little videos of what I'm doing and stuff because I always give him a hard time because he's so strong when it comes to to power cleaning and squatting. So whenever I have that in my workout, I always send him a little video. Love that. But, always good yeah. to have a bit of banter during the off-season as well just to keep each other on check. Oh, for sure. And you got to know the ones that you can do that to. Yeah, exactly. And, and pick your yeah. battles. Like, um, no, no, one, <laughs> no one besides Carlin's really rivaling you when it comes to the speed stuff. So you can dig at the boys for that as well. Facts, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. So, mate, how how is things um with the family anyway? Obviously, this downtime's given you plenty of opportunity to just hang out. And um, I know you went for a little trip up to Alaska a couple of weeks ago as well. It's been good. Yeah, man. Oh, that was amazing, man. I had my son with me. It was an all guys fishing trip. It was really cool. A really great experience. My first time ever going out to Alaska and and uh, learning how to fly fish and everything. It was just. A cool trip, great trip all the way around, man. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's actually only my second time going deep sea fishing, and actually didn't get sick this time. Um, so that was a good thing. And um, I was just 
really enjoying it. Both of us had a good time. And it's like you say, man, just that downtime when you get to spend with your family because when the season starts back up, it's not going to be that downtime that you that we normally would have just because everything's so hectic and we got to play catch-up kind of deal and get things going because the Olympics is right around the corner. So I'm just really enjoying this time that I have. That's why I said today I'm going to probably take the families to the beach to spend as much time as I can because they support me so much. Like, I really haven't stopped since everything started. Uh, everything took off with the whole COVID ordeal. So, and it's like, when I do get a chance, I try and spend it with the fam, man. Mate, honestly, like speaking to um, other guys playing 15s and, and just sort of having that hectic travel lifestyle as well. Like it's the longest time at the moment in quarantine that anyone's really spending with their significant others or their families. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I'm sure you two are learning a few things about each other, maybe, or that you may have forgotten about with all the hectic travel. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, for sure. That's for sure. Uh, just being together so much, doing nothing sometimes, it just starting to get boring. It's like, man, I remember my mom always told me, man, don't ever let that that spark kind of die out. Like what you did to get them and what you did to keep everything going and happy, continue to do that. And it's just right now it makes it so tough because everything shut down and everything. But it just makes the love and everything go fonder, you know. So, so what you're telling me, mate, is there's, a pretty deep romantic side to Perry Baker that we don't know about. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. A little you know, bit. I'm a family guy. A little All bit, right. you know. <laughs> you got that you got that go-to playlist or something like that that you've hey, hey man, you already know, man. <laughs> you already know I got a few of them tunes going on there. <laughs> so good. All right. Well mate, let's um let's crack into it. Obviously it's a pleasure to have Perry Baker from USA Sevens on the podcast today. I think um, your profile and your story speaks to itself. And I will mention, um, you know, you did that podcast with Rugby Bricks a couple of months ago and mm -hmm. um, listened to it a couple of times. It's awesome content. So for anyone out there that wants to dive into the on-field and skills and the detail stuff that Perry's been putting out, um, that's a great podcast. But I will say this one today that we're going to speak to Perry about is – you know, more so about Perry Baker, the, the human and, and the personal side of, of who he is as a person and just getting his stories and experiences. So, again, mate, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Mate, it's, um, it's crazy to think that where we are at the moment, all things that should have taken place, you'd be in Japan right now on that podium getting a gold medal. So, Oh, yeah, better believe it, man. That's the whole goal and that was the, that was the plan and that was what everyone believed in and we was looking forward to it. We was really excited about that. And uh, that's still the goal now. We haven't changed that at all. Like, we're excited to get back to get together and get going and everything. So, it'll be a pretty good year coming up, though, for sure. Mate, 100%. Tell me about, like, that headspace and just sort of having that that goal over the last couple of years, particularly after Rio, um, to then find out, you know, a couple months out that, it's been postponed another 12 months. Like, how do you guys, you know, mentally deal with that? <clears throat> Me personally, man, I just look at it like a, a blessing in disguise, you know. Like, we had a couple guys that was banged up a little, injured here and there, and needed to get some work done. And this little whole little 12-month break allows that to kind of happen for some guys to get healthy and, and, and their body be able to recover and everything. So, I just try to look at the positive side out of it um, because I know that when we go into Tokyo, I want all the troops ready. Like I need everyone 100% ready to go and not banged up and have nicks and bruises here and there. So 
I just look at the as the at, at the bright side of it and just think about man, like okay, maybe this happened for a reason. Like maybe we wasn't ready to go. Maybe we get we need some more time. So this could come out to be a good thing for us, you know. Hundred percent. I think the best thing about your squad particular is like you guys know each other inside out because you've been mm-hmm. you know together for such a long time. So that. Mm-hmm. Outside of the conditioning and the physical stuff that you you just talked about, then like the team cohesion that you guys have, like that's going to come back so quickly. Oh yeah, and that's and we're and we're still like we've been doing stuff the entire time, like through Zoom, um, and we're doing stuff now for a month out before we actually go back to to bring that cohesion back in, and that's what we've been trying to do the whole time. Like guys have been going to the beach here and there and playing some spike ball, just staying together and stuff like that. A lot of the guys are going and playing touch here and there uh, a couple times a week. And it's just good to see everyone every once in a while or whatnot, like being out together instead of everything being online. So it's pretty cool all the way around, man. Mate, totally agree. Hey, um, I want to I wanna start this pod by basically going back to the, the very beginning of Perry Baker. Like take us back to your, your teenage years, childhood, mate, in terms of like aspirations to play pro football. Oh man, like that was that's football just ran through my family, man. Yeah. That's just a that's just what I grew up on. Like p- playing first ball I ever touched was a football, you know. Um, my brother played football, my uncle, my dad played football in high school, um, cousins played football in high school and everything, and just it's all I knew. So, um, and my dream was to play in the NFL. Like that's all I knew, and that's all I want to do. It was like I, what really like helped me believe that I could do it was <clears throat> I was at a gas station one day and just some random guy was just pumping gas. I've never seen him before. And we're just he just started talking to me. He was like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm in high school. He was like, what? No, what do you want to do? And I told him, like, I want to play football. And he goes, you know what? One day I'll be able to see you on TV playing. He's like, I believe you can do it. And he was just telling me, like, how he believed in people because people won't believe in you first. So he's like. So that stuck with me. So I'm like, you know what, man, this dude think I can really play in the NFL. I know I can too. So that's crazy. Like, and I'm like, you know what, maybe one day I'll be able to see this guy again, like after I'm playing in the NFL or whatnot. And um, so uh, just being a teenager, man, and being so young, just having people in my corner here and there that uh, also helped believe in me and everything was thinking that I can make it. I mean, that's the only thing we did as kids was playing football. Sandlot football, uh, everywhere we was, any type of thing, anything we had, as we could turn into a ball and try to play football. Um, so that's all. That's all I knew, really. I mean, we were a battle against kids from across the street, from another family, like on on like holidays, like Thanksgiving. We'll have like a turkey bowl kind of deal in the summer times when everyone cousins and stuff come into town. We'll play against other families and stuff. It was just. All the time, like constantly nonstop, play football in the morning before you go to school, like at the bus stop while you're waiting on the bus, play while you're at school. It was just all I knew, all I wanted to do. And that was it, man. I knew of nothing else, really. Like, yeah, you'll play pickup basketball here and there, but football was the main sport everyone played just because that's what we knew of. Everyone around our area that ever made it kind of deal was through football, you know? So that kind of like stuck with, with me and stuck with the neighborhood kind of deal. When when did you know or sort of get an idea in your own mind that this was actually a serious opportunity for you to actually crack it into the pro stuff? Um, I want to say um, high school. Yeah. Because <clears throat> um, I, I didn't play sports until my senior year of high school. 
and and that was because of great great purposes or whatnot great reasons yeah and um i was like for me to actually try and make it to this next level i need to get my grades and play in college and play in, in high school so my senior year i played and then once i got a chance to go play to college i was like okay this is my chance this is my ticket so um probably about my freshman year of college i was i mean i'm sorry my sophomore year of college i would say would be the year that I knew I had the chance just because that's when I was getting random phone calls to like my hotel room or whatnot. Whenever we go play, I get random calls from scouts and my coach and I have talks and my coach was like, okay, we got to block the phone. And we, we have talks about, Hey man, I told you if you're, if you're good enough, they'll stop, they'll find you. So that's when I really thought like, man, this could really freaking happen. Like my brother's in the NFL right now. And my, I got family ties. So this could be really sweet. This could, this could really happen. So, I'll say about my sophomore year of, of college. Mate, how much did your brother um, help you out of sort of give you guidance through all that process? I mean, from a rugby player's perspective, that's a pretty foreign um, environment to have like these scouts calling you in your hotel room and trying to like get the best deal out of you possible. So how much of a help was he? Um, I wouldn't say he was a lot of help just because my brother's like a four year age difference and he went to a way bigger school than I went to. Yeah. So he went to the University of Florida um, and I went to a D2 school, a small school in West Virginia called Fairmont State University. So like, I don't doubt that it didn't happen to him, but it was just more like it was more. I feel like it was easier for it to happen to him or if it didn't happen to him is because they were so like so strict there where you couldn't like do that to the athletes or whatnot. My small school, it was just like, I don't know, like how many times it's ever happened before at my small school. Like even when I went to like big bowl games, like scouts didn't know where my school was, you know, like some of them never heard of my school. So um, it was just, and I never really talked to him about that. Like, hey, man, I got scouts coming up. I never, I never, only thing I ever thought about when that was happening was don't take anything. If like they offer me anything, like don't take anything. Like I wouldn't want to mess this up. You know, so that's the only thing. It was just pretty cool, though. It just made me feel like when you're in high school and you start getting, like, letters to go to school somewhere. You know what I mean? Just bring that little bit of excitement. But other than that, I mean, we really didn't talk too much about that whole process kind of deal. Mate, I'm, I'm so fascinated by this stuff. And uh, you look at these college kids who are, you know, 18, 19 years of age and getting these ridiculous profiles and, and just exposure on a global scale. Like how do you stay humble? How do you stay like mentally focused through all of that? I mean, two things can go with that. One is your upbringing. Yeah. And uh, the second thing is just knowing where you, what's the end goal, you know, and um, just carrying yourself a different way. Like just being thankful and grateful and, and being humble for the position you're in and thankful for everyone who helped get where you were and supported you or whatnot. But I mean, when you're, when you're that young, man, I just think it's, it's just the upbringing and, and people trying to keep you there, um, keep you in a humble place. You know, I'm like right now today, like I still have guys that do that for me, like trying to keep me in a humble place, you know, and, um, <clears throat> And and when you're 18 or 19 and you and you think you're about to make millions of dollars, it can be so freaking hard, you know. But at the same time, it's just the people that's in your corners, like, hey, like this not the end goal though, like this not gonna be the end goal. So I think that is that plays a big part in and 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 being who you are. And then I say your college coaches, like my college coaches were great. 
Like I'm so I'm forever grateful for him. Like I just feel like every person that I've been into has been a blessing to me. From like my my little league pop one of football, my coaches were awesome. They were great guys. Going up to high school, my counselor, my coaches were great great guys. Got to college, my coaches were great. Like when you go to college, man, that's when they like teach you to become a man kind of deal. Like your parents, yeah, your parents do a great job of getting you up to be a, an adult. But that manhood is comes around your coaches because you're with these guys all the time. You're no longer at home. You're with these got these coaches now. And like my coaches did a tremendous job. Like I'm forever grateful for them. And I always think that like man, I'm always getting put in to great around great guys, man. Like coaches. Like even when I went and started playing rugby, like the guys were great that I went around. Like my coaches and my coaches now. Like my coaches now, they're great people. Like they're great dudes. They're great guys. So. This is all good, man. It's just I just think it's just like your your whole like atmosphere around you what helps keeps you humble, man. That's epic. I um I wanna talk on sort of where things are with you in, in terms of giving back to the community with these rugby kids and the camps that you're putting on. But the first question before we jump into that is like how do we get or in your opinion, how do we get these these high school kids that are just athletic specimens to, to pick up a rugby ball sooner? <clears throat> so I think you do it at the grassroots age. Because um, when you think about it, when you start sports, you start at a young age. And the only thing is we don't, as Americans, we don't pick up a rugby ball. We don't have a rugby ball. Like I couldn't tell you right now where to go and buy a rugby ball from. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know where you can go and buy a rugby ball, but I guarantee you can go to a Walmart or Dick Sporting Goods and you'll see tons of footballs and tons of basketball, maybe in a, a baseball, but I know you'll see soccer ball, things like that, but you just don't see that rugby ball. So I just think that at that grassroots age, it's where we have to start it at. And um, <clears throat> once you, I mean, because I, I, believe like is one of the funnest games you can play like i personally think that rugby is so much fun and uh it just reminded me of that childhood you know when you start and it was like man you started playing because it was so fun like when you start at a little a little kid age you don't worry about anything you just hey i'm with my buddy i get to go see my best friend i get to play this game with my best friend i'm having fun and that's how i look at rugby honestly i mean i just look at it that way so i just feel like at that grassroots age, man, if we get parents to not freak out about kids not having on pads or whatnot, it would be tremendous for kids to pick up a rugby ball and start playing at a young age. Mate, any any kid that comes and, and learns and gets into a rugby environment, the first thing they talk about is that, just the fun, the culture, like so inclusive, mm-hmm. you get to do all aspects of it. And as you said, mm-hmm. like that stigma of, you know, not having pads or helmets or anything like that goes out the window pretty quickly once they figure out like how great it is, eh? For sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, and uh, my parents were that way. Like, yeah. you're not playing rugby, and I'm like, I I am. At the end of the day, I am. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna go find out. And then once I started going, they're coming to the games. They're liking it. They're enjoying it and stuff. So it was like cool, man. It's it's just a whole different whole different side of the game that people don't see if they don't go if they don't interact in it you know what they see on tv or what they know of rugby by watching people play it on tv is totally different than going in and interacting man so yeah man just think at that grassroots age man it's where to start it out like you start all sports man just pick up a rugby ball i remember talking to this one guy that was from fiji and he was saying that's the first thing a kid uh kids get when they're born is a rugby ball 
first thing. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, on the islands, the first thing it gets a rugby ball. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, well, here we don't get rugby balls. But if we did, it would be another thing that kids can do, people can go and do and play and, and enjoy. Can you can you imagine if Saquon Barkley or Julio Jones picked up a rugby ball at like four or five years old? <laughs> USA 7s oh and goodness. 15s would be oh, For sure. For sure. Man, hey, um, I want to uh, obviously big focus of today is just talking about, you know, I think as rugby players go, particularly in America, you'd have to be at the top of the list in terms of giving back to the community and, and using your profile um, to better and expose rugby. So, mate, talk us about the Perry Baker camps. Like, how did that come about? Um, so uh, my partner, my co-founder is uh, Charlie Purden. Um, he came to me with the idea one day. I was like, hey, man, um, would, you, would you like to coach at a camp? And I was like, yeah, I would love to. Like, this is what I want to do. So it was, like I said, man, it's just be a blessing in disguise the people that I'll be around because my whole vision was to do this, and he already had it set up in stone, and, like, he was ready to do it also. So that's how it came about. Charlie just pitched the idea to me, and we just took off running with it. And, um. We were before we knew it. We were six or seven months in and ran camps like every other weekend. Uh, it felt like for the entire summer, and um, so that's how it started, man. It's something that we want to continue to to develop and grow and, and and reach out to to the community and to kids that play the game or that don't play the game. You know, it's just another way to give kids something to do, and especially at a time like right now, kids don't have anything to do. You know, and they just shut up in the house or whatnot, whatever the case may be. So I was thinking, like, now's the time really to, like, have the kids do something. You know, like, we, we kind of got an understanding of this whole COVID situation and, and what we can and cannot do. So I think, like, now is the time to run some camps right now. So um, that's where we are right now is about to get some camps going uh, this month of August and see what happens for – the future uh with with camps coming up in september also in october and, and moving around but charlie um and i just been enjoying it and having fun and so have the kids and the parents Mate, that, that's epic i um i know speaking to charlie he gets such a kick out of these camps as well and um i guess the big thing is just the way that you two balance each other out um he always mm -hmm. says that you're the x factor and the fun and he's the the grumpy old brains trust who uh <laughs> comes in and programs so um it's awesome to see you guys doing that what's what's plans in terms of growing that out like you looking to you know cross country with it go to different states like well here we we definitely want to go to different states and that's been on our mind for a while now we done had it well we done set it up here and there but sometimes it fall through just because of my schedule and then this time around the whole COVID ordeal pushed everything back but we had some places set up where we're going to go to. Like, we just want to grow, man. We just want to get it out there and uh, start moving around a little bit with it. And <clears throat> we've been letting everyone know, hey, man, we're willing to travel. We're ready to go. And uh, I feel like that's a way just to spread the game also. It's like and, and spreading the knowledge that and the, and, and the skills that Charlie have. Like, the dude got tremendous skills, and uh, he knows how to, to teach it and reach it. And then that's the other thing, too, about the whole thing. Like, I want to be a coach someday. And I'm also growing under Charlie and, and learning how to to coach and interact with kids and teach different ways, you know. So you always learn a little piece from different people. 
So, um, yeah, we definitely want to branch out and, and, and have this thing as big as we possibly can get it, you know, and we have a big, big plans for this whole Perry Baker camp um, coming up soon. Mate, that's awesome. And throwing the merch out now as well, seeing the branding and, and the kit that you guys are putting out, it looks epic. Oh, for sure. That's what it's about. You come to the camps, everyone in the same uh, same T-shirts and stuff. Perry Baker, Charlie Ruperton, Skills of Build Not Born shirts. Um, <clears throat> the brand is, my personal brand is all about being great, man. Just be great. Being all the time, God, be great all the time. And uh, it's the PB11. And Charlie and I came up with that that uh logo for me actually um uh, about a couple years ago and uh, he just basically just redid it for me and had it looking like uh really good so uh yeah man just be great all the time man and skills are built not born 100 percent. i um i'm curious to know obviously being a player um for most of your career at the moment transitioning into a bit of coaching what was the biggest eye-opener in terms of i had no idea coaches had to do this or management of players like what was the biggest challenge for you or, or learning curve in that regard oh my gosh everything yeah. basically really everything oh heck yeah um just be uh, just the 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 plans you have to come up with um the the strategies how to be how to adapt to certain things and it's just everything man it's just really a whole nother aspect on it and um but I enjoy it, you know, like it's helping me grow as a person, helping me also grow as a player. Um, I remember uh, one time I went to a tournament and I was coaching this tournament back in Florida with my old club back in Florida. And um, I was telling the telling the kids to do something because I was seeing what happened. I'm telling them to do it and they didn't do it. And it was there for it to be done and end up losing the game or whatnot. And all I could think about is Mike Friday. Yeah, I was about to say. It's all I can think about is like when the coaches tell you to do something, you don't do it, and they and they showing you why you should have done it. It's just that drives you insane. Like I can't imagine. Like that just put me in a mind of the coaches. Then for real, like I take myself out of the player, and I'm actually a coach then because that drives you insane. It's like how do you deal with that though? How can you overcome that without being so emotional and and getting so worked up? Like how do you reach them to realize like you're only there to help like you're only there to make things better and um so that was one of that's something huge for me right there like it's just the listening part oh my gosh like even when we do it right now as 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 veteran players we do that still to this day and i just i don't know i don't get it i don't get it but it's just it just make you think man it just really make you think even though you're out there playing you can say well i'm playing i'm playing but it's like i know you're playing but we want to make this easier and better for us. Like, we don't want to make it harder on us. So just trust what you're being told. Basically, at the end of the day, is just trusting. Like, trusting in each other. So that's something huge. Like, when you're coaching, you want the players to be able to trust you and vice versa. You want to be able to trust the players. So basically, you're telling me you've got a lot more appreciation for Mike Friday now that you've done some coaching yourself. Oh, heck yeah. It's not easy. I don't think it's easy at all. Like, coaching is not easy at all especially when it's volunteer work too. And like my, my son, I had him playing basketball and things like that. And those coaches that volunteer their time. Oh my goodness. Man, hats off to those coaches for real. Like it's, it's just a whole nother level to coaching. And it's just all about the, the love for the game and the kids that you want them to be better and you want to grow. <clears throat> Mate, hundred percent. Well, let's, um, 
let's move on with that topic then and go into the World 7 Starflight. First first time stepping out on an IRB pitch and, and playing on the World Circuit. Like, tell us about that experience. Uh, oh, that was Gold Coast. That was Gold so Coast. Gold Coast. Yeah, that was like 2014, I believe. Maybe 15. I think it was 14, 15 year. And that was Gold Coast. And um, it was it's totally different from how I looked at club and how I was playing club. Like, I had no idea what was going on. Like, I didn't really find out until I was at Tiger Rugby Academy that the team travels out of the country. Like, I never knew that. Yeah. I never knew they traveled out of the country like that. Um, and then, so once I was able to travel out of the country, now I'm seeing how it is and how it's set up. It's totally different from club, though. Like, it's just uh, – I'll use the term professional. It's just a more professional type of atmosphere and level now. And it was just, like, pretty cool. But um, – and it was a little nerve-wracking at the beginning. Like, my, my, my mate, Carlin – talked me up so much like he told me so much about the series and what to expect and how it would be and everything uh, which which helped me out a lot but at the same time it was still nerve-wracking like oh my goodness like you're playing another country like this is huge now like you're getting a chance of like do you like don't worry about messing up but you need to worry about messing up at the same time so it was like that little battle of trying to find out where I'm at like kind of deal so um but I enjoyed it. it was so much fun um, I had a blast. I really did. I enjoyed it. I had a really good time. And it was pretty cool too because this was like the first year USA Rugby right? had a new coach just stepping in, and we had some different faces out there a little bit here and there. So it was pretty cool all all the way around. And then to be able to play with some of the veteran guys like Zach Tess, who was still there, uh, helped out a lot. Um, because he knew the game in and out and what to do and everything there. So it was pretty cool, man. I mean, I enjoyed it. Like. Looking back at it, man, it's a lot of fun. Like I still go back and watch some of the films from the from the first time I played or whatnot. It was it was a blast. Did you know like the different styles of play from other countries before going into it, or is that something that's sort of figured out along the way? Like obviously, Fiji are playing very different to South Africa and and England, you know. But did you have an idea about those different styles going into it? Man, I knew nothing. Yeah. And I think by me knowing nothing helped me out. Um, if I felt like if I'd have known, I I would have been so lost out there because of my expectations of what I thought I knew, it would probably been off. So I, I like that I didn't know and I figured it out like as we're going kind of deal. Mate, that's huge. I um listening to the Rugby Bricks podcast that you did, you mentioned um Cecil Africa being a, a pretty big inspiration of yours. Like, do you want to touch mm-hmm. on that and like, what's your relationship with him now? Uh, Warm C. Yeah. It's Uncle C. But uh, he's real cool. Great guy on and off the pitch. Um, real humble guy. And um, I, when I was started to play rugby, like, I got so much backlash. Like, you're not going to be able to play rugby. You're way too small. And you don't know what's going on kind of deal. But well, the guy who introduced me to rugby, he told me, like, to turn on the television right now because this, this team is on. They're really good. And they have a really good player. I turn on the, and it's Cecil, and I'm like, I'm taller than Cecil. I know I weigh more than Cecil, but he was just phenomenal. Like, the dude was just – ball skills were great. He could run, and he was just out there just running in the big guys and stuff. And kind of find out he had just came off of winning, I think, play of the year. So I'm just like, whoa, man, like, watching him gave me all the inspiration I needed and believed that I can play rugby. So I'm like, man, I know I can play rugby. I'm like – 
he only he he got to be playing with just hard. And I got hard. I play with hard at everything I do. Like because I was never a big person. Like playing football, playing wide receiver, I wasn't big. I was way too small. And there was like it would be times where like you come across the middle, you're gonna get broken up. I would go across the middle so many times, and I take the hit or whatnot. But I'm like, man, I knew I could play. And so meeting Cecil, I think probably not probably like a, a year after I met him because I was probably too shy really to talk to him so I end up telling him hey man I just want to let you know you inspired me to play rugby bro and I respect your game I respect you as a person like he's just a nice guy man all the way around he was real cool dude and yeah so yeah man that's how it all started really with me believing in myself I can play rugby was watching Cecil and then I'm sharing the same pitch with him I'm playing against him and everything so it was cool I'm like dang I'm getting. I'm playing against this guy now. I get to see how they play. I get to see what makes them good and how he plays against other teams or whatnot. So, man, it's just <clears throat> really cool, dude. And right before he retired, which I don't, I didn't know he was. I don't think he knew. He might have did. I'm not sure. But on Vancouver, we traded jerseys, and that's epic. He he retired, and I got his jersey that he retired, and it's so cool. Like. I can't wait till like I get a home where I'm buying and I'm gonna have a whole room full of jerseys from guys that I play with hanging up in my uh, man cave, and his is gonna be up there and it's gonna be something some, something special to me for real. Hundred percent, and that's that's the thing with the um, the seven circle. You guys are playing against each other so often, like mm-hmm. learning each other's nuances or, or tactics and how you play, like. What do you? Who do you say is like probably the best or most enjoyable rivalry that you've got with other guys on the circuit? Um, I'll say personally Dan Norton. Like I always take Dan Norton as a challenge, man. Yeah. Um, I just think Dan Norton is like one of the best sevens player that I've ever seen play the game from watching old films to now, and I don't think he gets as much um re- attention or respect as as he should. Um, just because, like, he's always willing to challenge anyone. Like, I've never seen a dude back down, and I always see him. Like, if you think of, like, a basketball player, like how a basketball player, like, fourth quarter, no time really left on the clock, but, like, three or four seconds, I want to take that last shot. That's him. Like, he wants that last shot kind of deal. And I, li- I like that because I want that last shot too. So it's, like, cool. Like, it's a battle all the time. It's always a challenge, and, like, he has skills where he can kick off his left foot. And like, he does it so phenomenal. And he's just a good player all around to me. And now he's learned how to kick off his right foot. So I think he's uh, pretty good. So now I like the challenge. Like anytime we play England, it's always a challenge. And we always joke here and there. We always having a little conversation and talking and stuff. Like I'm trying to pick his brain sometimes on how to do certain things. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Mate, that's um that was gonna be my next question. Talking about like NBA and just watching like opponents go at each other verbally as much as physically, like is there much of that going on the field with you as well? Like guys trying to get in your head or like just throwing some fun banter at each other? Um they don't we really don't. I think the only team that does that though, which is which is cool, I love it though, because it just brings the best out of me and whatnot, is Fiji. Yeah. And that's just that's just what they do, though, you know? Like, they will call your number. They will be like, 11, 11. They'll point at you, and they'll be like, bring it, like, whatever. And I'm like, okay, like, this is what I do. Like, this is how I, this is how I grew up playing sports. Like, 
all the time. Like, you're not getting in my head. At the end of the day, I know I'm going to get in your head because this is how I grew up playing sports. Basketball, I played that way. Football, I played that way. Like, we did so much trash talking to each other all the time because it's always like a one-on-one situation kind of deal. So it's always that that challenge and, and, and that competition. So Fiji is about the only team that do it. And then it's about a, probably one player on another team that, that does it, but I don't like it at all. Oh, yeah? Um, I won't, oh, yeah, I won't call him names, though, but he plays for the All Blacks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it, though. Um, just because, like, honestly, I don't like because you don't get – I don't get to play against him. Like, you don't play the position I play. We're never across from each other kind of deal. Yep. But Fiji players that do it, it's always, like, they're calling that you out if you're in front of them. Like, they're like, you in front of me, I'm calling you out. You on the wing, I'm calling you out. Wherever you at, if you're in front of them, they will just call you out. Which is cool, like it's that competition, like because it ain't personal. Like afterwards, like in the lobbies or something, they're cool. They shake your hand. They're talking to you and stuff. They're great guys to me. But when you're playing, it's battle, and that's how it's supposed to be. When you're on the pitch, it's supposed to be battle. There's no more friends. It's battle. And like uh, when I was in high school, I transferred schools from one high school to another, and all my buddies was at my old high school, and we played each other in football, and it was like we. We were weeks up before. It's like, hey, when we play, we ain't cool. But I think we back cool. <laughs> so that's how it is, man, with Fiji. It's like, you playing on the field, you ain't cool. But afterwards, everything's sweet. Man, that's epic. Hey, um, toughest toughest opponents. Like, who, who are the guys that you play against that those one-on-ones? You're just like, it, just looking forward to it or just give you the biggest challenges? It would be... Uh, like I said, Dan Norton, because yeah. it's a challenge all the time. And then I would say, team, I would probably go with with Fiji, the way they play their defense now. Um, they're so they're so smart when they come to play USA. The way they play their defense is uh, it's almost like a trap almost kind of deal. Um, and if you think about, like, a team that almost plays like them, now that change, they play seven up, is, is uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Like the, and the thing that makes New Zealand so tough is they just work so freaking hard across the board in the middle. They just work so hard, that side to side, so hard. So it's like you really have to be like, like now with it. Like you have to hit the hole and be like going with it right now because they're coming. Like they have to be like, I feel like to, to, to get a team like New Zealand, you have to move the ball quickly. Like you can't wait. You have to let the ball do the work. If the ball's not doing the work, then they're going to be right there. Gotcha. Mate, where's um favorite location that you've toured to so far on the circuit? Uh, I would say Cape Town and Everyone Hong says Kong. Cape Town. Cape Town. Cape Town's amazing, man. Oh, it's so fun there. It's so – first of all, it's so pretty. Uh, it's cultural, and it's just so much going on. Like, you have the beaches there. You have the mountains there. It's just – it's just really a really nice place, man. Yeah, I remember um, having Pinky on here a couple months ago as well, talking about Cape Town. Um, I think you mentioned that you went like bungee jumping or something, like a week out from the tour, or like took a few of the boys out to do something like pretty extreme. You yeah, went and then they went like some type of skydiving. That's no, it. I what I want to do was I want to go uh, shark case diving. Okay, but so you know how we we leave Dubai and we get to home uh, to Cape Town, we have like the first day or so off. Yeah. And then we might have, but that's a traveling day. And then we'll have a day off during the week. 
And um, I thought about doing it there during the week, but coaches wasn't having that because it was like a all day kind of trip. Okay. So like you go like two hours out to drive, then you're out on the boat all day, and coaches like, no, you guys will be drank, so we couldn't go. So then it was like, okay, we'll try and plan to go that Monday because we didn't leave till late Monday, and um, but you have to get up so early on that that Monday morning, like at probably like five in the morning to go, and I was just like. I don't think I can make the time for the airport. So I never got to do it, but I really want to go shark cage diving while I'm in K-Town. Like I said, like I said, there's just so much to do. It's so fun. And like, I just love K-Town. It's sweet, man. Nice, nice uh, atmosphere. Did you ever, did you guys do safari or anything like that while you were there? So I did do a safari when we were, we were in Joe, Joburg, I believe is where it was. Okay. Um, um, we went to safari there. It was pretty cool. I still have pictures from that. And it was just like, well, I, now that I look back, I'm like, man, what the heck was I doing? Like, they have like, like a regular fence, I feel like, that you can jump over. They had lions and stuff in it. And I'm like, right there at it. That's like, crazy. what was I thinking? Yeah, like one of the lions are like, are like roaring or whatnot. And like, it's like vibrating the freaking ground. That's how freaking close we were to them. I'm just like, now I look back at some of the pictures. I'm like, man, that's that, that's the only thing that's stopping us. It ain't really stopping nothing. Yeah. Like, what was I thinking? But it was cool though, just for that experience kind of deal. And then we're just walking the streets. Giraffes are walking right there in front of you and everything. It was just cool. But um, yeah, man, it's nice, man. I love Cape Town. And then Hong Kong, of course, is just a lot. Hong Kong just that's just cool. a party. Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah, there that's you just go. A party. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun though. You know, it's fun because everyone's there really enjoying rugby and coming to watch the rugby tournament. And then it's party. Like we're gonna watch rugby, we're gonna party doing rugby, and we're gonna party out there. But we're watching rugby at the same time. Hundred percent. And you, sweet. like you and Carlin in particular, are like um, main liners when it comes to like what people are going to see at that tournament as well. Like I feel like. Uh-huh. The atmosphere that you brings out the best in you two boys at that tournament for sure. For sure, I love playing in, in, in a in a amped up crowd and atmosphere, man. I like that just just lights fuel to the fire. Like I love that. Like I'm playing for my teammates and everything, but when the crowd's there and they're electric and and enjoying the game, man, that just light a fuel to me. And I'm playing now in front of the crowd. I'm playing with the crowd. I'm doing it for the crowd. It's just hey, I'm just having a blast, man. So. Honest truth, how much longer? Right. How, how much longer are you gonna go for, mate? I, uh, I feel like you're still a racehorse. We gonna say fifty, beat Tom Brady's record, or what? <laughs> I mean, this whole COVID situation—that's what I said. Yeah, blessing the skies, man. It just gave me some more time, you know. So I mean, 2021, you had the Olympics. 2022, we got the World Cup, which I wanted to do the World Cup again. It's right there. So I, I don't know, man. I I got some. I got a little more, a couple of years under the belt now, man. Like I haven't really did anything on the body this year at all. Like if you think about, it, I really haven't did anything for like the last two years because in 2019 season, and again, I, I what 2018 2019. I for, I forget now, but I broke my jaw and I missed the whole entire season. Um, and I came back and then we start, started playing again, and then the season cut short because of the COVID. So. I got a lot of my uh, I got a lot of, a lot of juice left. I feel like love so, that. Uh, who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah. So um, obviously the Olympics and the World Cup, um, getting a medal at those two is definitely a goal of yours. But what else um on the bucket list are you got to tick off? 
Honestly, man, I don't know, man. That's the like my it's the only thing I've been thinking about and I've been looking forward to is standing on a podium. Like I was talking to Pinky uh last week <clears throat> and he was talking to me about getting some paperwork done for for the team. I'm like, honestly, Pinky, man, I know I've been slacking on stuff, but my big focus and why I'm grinding right now is to stand on the podium. And I'm like, yeah, you have experience when you get to go to the Olympic Games, but it's a totally different experience when you get to stand on the podium. And I'm like, and that's the only thing I've been visualizing, bro. So that's like my main focus is to be able to stand on that podium. Like, I want to experience that because I just feel like that'll take the whole Olympic Games to a whole different experience. Like, guys who went there before, you know, it'll be a totally different experience. And that's the experience I want to have. And then the next one is like the World Cup. Like, I heard it's so much hype behind the World Cup. I got to play in one, which was all phenomenal, man. Just a great time. And it had to be, and it was in San Francisco, you know, that was so cool. It was nice. And uh, we fell short. I want to be able to at least play in that round where I can win like a ring. Like I want to be in the finals for sure. Um, I want to have that experience. And I want to be able to put a ring on my finger or whatnot. So I can take it back to Phil Greening. And then I can talk smack to Phil Green and he rub his rings in my face. I can rub a ring in his face, you know? Like, that stuff that's right there, it. that's the type of stuff that drives, you know? Because Phil, he always does that. Like, talk about what he has. Like, if you look at basketball, you look at the TNT channel, Shaq is always giving Charles Barkley crap because he'll have no rings all the time. He can't get one now. It's way too late. Me, Phil Green does that all the time to us. He brags about his ring, his World Cup, and all this. I want to be able to have a ring so I can say, take this one. That's so good. I love that. <laughs> Mate, tell me, um, going back to your experience at Rio um, and just being around, like, the other U.S. athletes, like, are you are you able to mingle and sort of pick their brains in terms of just, like, their experiences or something that they may bring in terms of their professional approach to, to their sport? Uh, I really don't pick people brain when we're at, at the at, – when I was there the last time. It was just about basically just – the whole experience for me, just soaking it all in and, and interacting with these people, uh, different athletes, rather, from different sports or whatnot. And it was just uh, pretty cool. Like, they was so humbling, and they were so – it's like – it's crazy. Like, you see Serena Williams on TV all the time, and, and next thing you know, she's, like, literally right next to you. Like, you're sharing a seat with her, and, like, she's just talking to you, like – growing up where you grew up from like how you get into sport and it's just cool to just have this conversation you know so it just it was just cool just to, to experience all that and, and realize how humbling everyone is and, and why everyone is there you know like usa everyone's there to try and get a medal that's the bottom line nothing else matters we're there to get medals that's it i love so that. that was pretty so that's pretty cool you know <clears throat> i feel like there needs to be like a a WhatsApp group it's exclusive for all those athletes when they're at Olympic school together. It'd be fucking epic just to see that sort of oh, like cross sport banter between each other. Yeah. So this time around, I really think I'll do more of like a like a brain picking kind of deal. Yeah. Um, you know, just to see, you know, just a especially after this whole COVID situation. You know what I mean? Just to see like the ins and the out of what they were doing and how they were thinking and, and how they're processing this and how they're going into this turn, uh, this Olympics, you know, and, and, and what's driving them or whatnot. So it'd be pretty cool this time just to experience everything from a different view. hundred percent. Well, mate, we'll, um, we'll look to wrap it up pretty soon, but I definitely want to touch on like 
future plans for you? Obviously, you've got the coaching in the Perry Baker camps um, well underway now, but like, have you put much thought into life after playing? And and if so, like, what are you? What are your aspirations there? So I'm like back and forth with like, do I want to retire and not play rugby again? Or do I want to retire from seventh and try and dab into 15th for a little bit, gotcha. like a year or two? So that's why I'm at with that. On the flip side of that, like I want to be able to get into coaching. Um, like I said, that was like my my big goal I'm looking for is to coach it and then starting my actual own academies where like I'm having kids, inner city kids or whatnot, come to the academy, have everything set up in there as far as uh, tutors, schooling, um, dorms, um, chiropractors there, different sports there. Like, it's not just going to be rugby academy, all sports to be in it. Like, I want to have, like, my own academies and have them satellite branched out. Like, that's my end, end of the end of the day goal kind of deal after I'm done with everything. Just have the Perry Baker Academies and have different athletes in and out of, like, like I said, just want to give kids a chance, you know, and, and give them a different, a different, a different view of life or, or what they don't have and what they could have, you know? Mate, do you think um, going into those, those communities similar to your upbringing and getting kids <clears throat> that probably didn't know about rugby and opportunity to, to play it at that, at that young age, is that something maybe that's on, on the radar? Oh, for sure. Um, I was just talking to someone about it last week about how like, you take me from a little small town, like I never thought about traveling the world, playing a sport, like traveling a world, seeing different countries, seeing different cultures and stuff. Like that never crossed my mind. It's pretty awesome that I get to do that now, you know? And uh, if you take a kid right now and allow them to go play rugby, because rugby travels the country, go play a rugby in another country, that will blow their minds blow their minds and uh if you think about sports that they play now you travel but you travel in state yeah you know and every maybe once in a blue moon you may travel out of country to play in a tournament there but it's not consistent like that like rugby is consistent where you get to travel out of country and play and i just think that that will that that impact that it can have on a kid is is major 100 percent. and mate we'll um we'll certainly put all those details um attached to this podcast when it goes live with all the Perry Baker camp infos as well. And I no for doubt sure. there's going to be guys reaching out for sure. Um, I know, you know, there's certainly interest over on the East coast here already. Yeah, man. That's the thing too. Like it's like rugby is not on the East coast. Like it's huge on the West coast. Yeah. Huge. And like, that was one of the things I was thinking about. Like, man, when I, when I actually get this going, I'm going to put a, uh, uh, Perry Baker Academy on the East Coast because I have so many people message me all the time like, hey, man, I live in such and such and there's no rugby around. You know I can go. Like, here, go to Perry Baker Academy. You can go there. Schooling can be done there. Everything can be done there. You don't have to stay there. You can go there for a little while, leave and go back home, whatever the case may be. But you have an opportunity to go play rugby. You have an opportunity to go to this academy and learn other learn other things, whatever the case may be. Like, that's what I want. Love that. Mate, final thing. Teammates with the US 7s team at the moment, some one-worders. I'll throw some questions out there and you just give me a name um, that most oh, attributes <laughs> to these questions, all right? Open oh, slate. Gosh. There's no filter whatsoever. We'll start warm. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. 
All right. All right. Fittest, fittest teammate. Fittest. <laughs> um, fittest teammate. I'll probably go with Steve Thomason. Unfittest teammate. Unfittest teammate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, this is good. Oh, geez. Unfittest. Uh, probably be uh, uh Brett Thompson or Kavon Williams. Worst traveler. Worst traveler. Oh my god. Probably Carla Niles. Smelliest roommate. <laughs> I oh that one tough. Oh man, because you know it's a bunch of guys and they all can smell. Jeez, I don't I don't know because I only have the same roommate every time. I only had two roommates one time. Well, three. I had Wally, I had um, Kavon, and I had Carlin. That's it. So I really couldn't put a finger on who's the out of the roommates who's the smellier. I don't know. We'll I'm, not I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. We'll I'm gonna say. To I'm gonna say all of them. <laughs> give it to Carlin. <laughs> now, bro, I think he smells so good with some stupid lotion he has. <laughs> he, he has some type of perfume lotion, like a little girl, and he swears he smells the best with that. <laughs> so good. Worst. <clears throat> worst diet. Worst diet. Oh my god, that'll probably be out of me and Carlin. God, Carlin's just winning it. Yeah, me and my man, we, oh, my God, when it comes to that, oh, my goodness, we eat any and everything kind of deal on tour. All right, well, I'm going to go to two different teammates now. You know what? I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. I take, I have to go with somebody in the Copper Poodle squad. <laughs> there you go. All right, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Martin ISFO. Worst diet. Worst diet, yes, by far. All right, tell us, tell us an imperfection about Madison Hughes. Oh, he doesn't brush his hair. I knew it. I thought you were going to say teeth. He does. No. <laughs> <laughs> he does not brush his hair. Like, you ought to see. Hey, you know what? I'm, next time we get on Zoom, I'm going to screenshot a picture of Madison while he's been quarantined, and you can see his hair. Dude, do not brush his hair. He tell me he have not brushed his hair since he was, like, probably, like, seven years old. That's so good. Yeah. Um, And then same thing for Pinky. Worst habit. Uh, worst habit. He's an arguer. He this dude argue about the littlest thing, the littlest stuff. Like he has to have the last word. He has to have the last word. He reminds me of my wife sometimes. Like she'd be like, "Do you want to know?" And I'm like, "I don't want to know." And then she's like, "Well, I'm gonna tell you." Then I, I said, "I don't want to know. I don't even want to know. Don't tell me." She cannot let it go without getting that last word across. That's Pinky. He cannot let it go without getting that last word across. That's so good. Perry, mate, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute blast. I hope you enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Y'all have, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, brother. All right. You too, Mike. Bye.